But first, I kind of want to read this quote from this guy named Jonathan Hayashi, who's, who's in Japan, um, concerning what we're going to look about today. And this, when I read this quote, it kind of hit me hard. Right? And this quote says this, it says, At the end of the day, the biggest problem with the Great Commission is that Christians don't share the gospel. Pretty accurate, right? When I read that, it kind of sank deep down inside of me. Like, I started asking my questions. Do I, in every environment, find myself, find my, every environment that I find myself making a point or, prior, or priority to share the gospel in some way, in some form, somehow? To show the grace of other people, that, show the grace of God to people around me. Do I do that? Or do I do what Mr. Hayashi says here and contribute to the biggest problem in not sharing the gospel? And I came to this realization and it's this thought that every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. And what we're going to look at today is the last time that Jesus appeared before his ascension into, into heaven. And in, in, in this, in this, this article, article, if it was in a newspaper, that we're calling the meeting in Galilee. The meeting in Galilee. And, you know, there's something about final words of people, right? Like, I catch myself because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freak. And I like to, like to read stuff about death and watch like mortician YouTube videos on how they do that kind of stuff. Like I'm just weird. So one of my favorite things to do is read about people's final words before they left. Because sometimes they're the most profound and the most important that those, these people ever, ever say. There's some of them that are pretty funny if you ever look at them. But as we're looking at this story today, I kind of want to begin with this thought in mind, this Winston Churchill once said that we shape our buildings, therefore they shape us. And you're like, that's a weird quote, but here's what I pray for today as we go through this, this last appearance of Jesus um, before he ascended, is that, that this is my agenda and this is my hope, that we fall so in love with Jesus and the great call, this great commission, that, that we embrace the commission to the point that we are embodied by it. If you've taken notes, I want you to write that down. Embrace the commission to the point that we are embodied by it. That it zooms from every, exudes from every, every part of our life. That, that it becomes part of our every fiber, our every being. Not because we, ha- we have to, but because, we get, we, because of what Jesus has done for us, we want to be a part of what he is doing in, in history. Now, I remember last week we talked about how Jesus had, had called his disciples to go to Galilee, to meet him on a mountain in Galilee, right? And it's was, it was one of those things where they didn't specify which mountain in Galilee, it said the mountain in Galilee, like they had a spot that they all knew that they were going to. But as any guys, they got tired of waiting, right? So got, ladies, if you ever go to Target and you're walking around, your guys in the car, we're tired of waiting, we're going to find other things to do, all right? So while they were waiting, they went fishing, and then Jesus appears to them on the shore, right, and had, and, and kind of kind of, you know, Tells Peter that he still loves him, that you're still part, your call in your life is still there. Like, don't worry about it, move on. And then, they, we're now we're talking about the meeting that happened, the meeting that that was that Jesus wanted to have with him. And this is what Jesus said. This is Jesus' final words before he ascended. He said, "Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw when they saw when they saw him, they worshipped him, 
but some have doubted. And here's what's amazing about this, about this story. Is that there's something remarkable, there's so remarkable about Jesus that even those who doubted still showed up. You with me? Like there was something so remarkable that they saw in Jesus that even though they doubted who he was, he, they still showed up because here's the deal. Jesus isn't scared of your doubts. He's not scared of your questions. I think he can handle them. You with me? He's not scared of, of your doubts. In fact, the call that Jesus is about to give, to give, he speaks over those who worshipped him and those who doubted him. What we're about to read, he spoke over both groups of people. And you see, like this seems sometimes a little dangerous to us, right? Like, like, Jesus, like I'm, about to, I'm probably going to get some people triggered here in a minute. Okay? But like to speak a call over a group of people that are doubters, to call them into the same story, the same ministry, would seem to us a little reckless. You with me? They'd be, seem reckless of God to speak a call over somebody's life who has some doubts. But see, that's not how God judges people. Where people see problems, God sees potential. You look at Doubting Thomas, right? Or as I like to call him, Honest Thomas, right? He was real about how he felt. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to believe until I see his hands and put my, put my, my finger in, it, in his wounds. And, and he had his doubts, but he had his call. He would later, later in life go to India, start a movement of Jesus, and in fact, because of his faith, he would die by the, by the way of the end of a spear because of him preaching his faith. And we know him as Doubting Thomas. God is not scared to put a call on your life even if you have doubts. You with me? That's why I love this story is because it's Jesus saying, I, don't, I, don't, I get that you have doubts. I'm the answer to your doubts, but I'm okay with you keeping them. In fact, it actually makes you more honest. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Talking from a pastor's point of view, I have some doubts. There's, there's sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't know, that seems a little far out there. That's why there's this thing called faith. You know what, even in my not understanding, I'm going to trust. Because your doubt doesn't have to keep you from your call. In fact, it encourages you, pushes you forward to find answers. We're going to keep reading. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is, like, we read over stuff like that, and you're like, oh, I get it, Jesus is in authority, but what does that really mean? And uh, here's what this means, and it's, going, and it's going to be tough for some of us, because um, don't hate me, okay, when I say this, but here's what Jesus means when he says, all authority has been given to me, and it's this, is that Jesus is Lord. And what does that mean, right? Like, what does that really mean? And, it, and it's this. And it's, and it's this, that if Jesus is Jesus is not your Savior if he's not your Lord. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is not your Savior if he's not your Lord. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I mean. We cannot claim he's our Savior if we don't come under his Lordship or his authority. And we can say it like this. You can't say he has saved me from hell, but I have no intentions to do what he says. Being a disciple who makes disciples means over and over again unconditional surrender to Jesus. 
stepping out in obedience to him. And this is and this is like Derek's like this is kind of heavy. That's it's Mother's Day. You're supposed to be talking about mothers and how great mothers are. Well, you would listen to your mother, hopefully, right? Why can't, why why is it so hard for for, for us to sit under the lordship of Jesus? to sit under his authority and do what he asks us to do. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we don't try, like we're not trying and we should never fail at anything, but I'm just saying, why is it so hard for us to be obedient? Because here's the great news about him being Lord, and why that's such a, why that's such a big deal. Okay, especially when, in regards to the Great Commission, and it's this, is that obedience is our responsibility, the outcome is God's. We've got to step away from this this outcome mentality, work mentality of, you know what, I'm going to have to do this, 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 and get the outcome. No, no, no. Your job is to just be obedient to whatever he says, and whatever happens is up to him. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You know, the flannel board story you heard in uh, Sunday school class? You know, when, 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 the, when the king said, you know, everybody, everybody has to bow down to this, bow down to this graven image and worship this, and, 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 Worship, worship this image, this idol made in my image. He, he said, or you will be thrown into the fire, right? And what everybody did it except for these three guys. And they got caught, and they're standing before the king. The king says, did you, like, the king liked them. They were some of his favorite people, their best leaders, and, and, leaders in the country. And he said, I'm going to give you one more chance. And they're like, you might as well not, because we're going to be obedient to our God, Jehovah. We're going to be obedient to our God Jehovah, and 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 no matter what what the outcome is, in fact, they said it said it says even if he does it, because king the king said sorry the king said what we'll see who which God rescues you, and they even say well even if he doesn't, we're going to be obedient. Like how how like oh, would we be willing to say that when we're facing those kind of things, right? When, when, when faced with life and death and with, with hardship, would we be willing to say, you know what, my job is obedience. So even if he doesn't rescue me from this, I'm going to live in obedience. Even if the outcome's not the way I want it to be, I'm going to be obedient. To be fully obedient, we have to let go of the outcome-based performances and just simply be obedient. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. By stepping one foot in front of the other. If he is not your Lord, he cannot be your Savior. And if you don't do what he asks and are obedient to do what obedient in doing what he asks, he can't be your Lord and Savior at all. He can't. So what is our call? Matthew twenty eight, nineteen says this Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like, grew up in church, you heard that all the time, right? Go make disciples. But how do, how and where do I make disciples, Derek? Well, it's quite interesting if you look at the, the Hebrew, well, the Greek really here, and it says, the Greek word for go make disciples is phorentheotis methetesek, which means on your way, make disciples. On your way, 
make disciples. As you are going, reproduce yourself. Whether you are going to work, going to the ball field, going home, uh, be on mission. Make disciples where you live, work, and play. Make disciples where you live, work, and play. As you go, as you live life, as you're going, reproduce yourself. Make disciples. Derek, I wish I knew what my call was. I can tell you right now what your call is in life. You want to know what your call is? It's really profound. Go make disciples. Like, I get that, Derek. I get that, Derek. I got, I got it. I, got, I get that, but, like, how, like, what is, what is my calling? Like, I want to know what he has for me to do. Really profound again. As you go, make disciples. Derek, I get it. But I want to know what, what I'm supposed to do in life. Like, when I go to work, what do I do? Okay, it's really profound. As you go to work, as you go to the ball field, as you go to the pool and play, as you do that cookout later, and that family member's there, as you do, do whatever, whatever you do, and whatever you do, go make disciples. Wherever you are, build relationships, do life with people, invest in people, share your faith with people as you go, as you go through life. We often say it around here, size up, pour it out. Take big risks. Ask the big questions. Step out and pour yourself out into others. Because that's what our Lord and Savior did for us. So you're telling me, Derek, my job is to go make disciples. Yes, as you go, go make disciples. Because in fact, the word we get disciples from or disciplined from is the Latin word disciplinia which means to be trained. And to be trained means there has to be a what? A trainer. And if there's no one there to train, how can they ever be a disciple? Now, but I love what Paul wrote to the church in Colossians. He says this. He says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God, to God the Father, because of what Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for you. Bring people into your home for dinner. Go to work with joy, with the joy of the Lord, and let your praise rub off on somebody. Be intentional with speaking life into others. Build people up. Share your share your story of what Christ has done and continues to do in your life. Derek, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can share my story like I, that's, that's not in my nature that's not who God made me to be I'm more of the quiet type I sit back I'll get my hands dirty or whatever no 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 we are all called to go make disciples to invest to be intentional may just be somebody in your family maybe somebody your co-worker that sits in the cubicle next to you it's that person maybe it's that person that you always see sitting in the lunchroom by themselves maybe that's the person you're supposed to reach that you're supposed to share your story with. Because for there to be a disciple, for there to be a disciple, there has to be somebody who will train them. And to train, you've got to speak. you got to speak about what Christ has done for you. 
but how do I know if I can do it? I get nervous when I use my words or I start to stutter a little bit. I'm like, have one, have you ever heard me speak? Like, I'm not very good, all right? But I love how Luke, uh, our friend Luke, talks about ends this account with Jesus. And Luke adds this to the story. He says, and this is Jesus talking. He says, and I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. So stay here in, in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps all around you. And this is in, in, in regards, he's saying the Father will send the Holy Spirit to empower you, to give you some courage, to, to give, give you boldness to share share your story, to share the gospel of Jesus. You have the power within you right now as a believer to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples. And it's why our big thing this this year is 17 people reach 17 people cubed. Because this is all of our call. This was Jesus' final words before he ascended into heaven. Go tell people about me. If they don't know about him, then it was worthless. And it's pointless. But here's the great truth: is that God will not give you a call without the power to do it. God will not give you a call without the power to do it. So at the meeting in Galilee, this meeting in Galilee. It was more than just a meeting. It was a commissioning. A commissioning to go forth. Here's my hope as we go from now to June 5th to all eternity is that we don't take this great commission lightly. That it, like we are so emboldened by what Christ did for us on the cross by removing, taking the, paying a debt that we could never pay in fact, Hebrews says everything that we did try to pay with was, was void. That Jesus came to be that sacrifice for us. That the blood of Christ was enough to, to redeem us or to buy us back into, into God's family. But not only that, but he rose from the dead. Giving us victory over death. So between the cross and the resurrection... We have the power to defeat sin in our lives. We have the power. We have the power to defeat, to defeat to defeat the enemy in our lives. We don't have to be bound by him anymore. And my hope is that we can share that with other people. Because all the believers on this side of heaven, oh, oh, sharing the gospel to everybody who's on this side of hell. Right now, we have friends, family members, co-workers, who are, if they were to die in this moment, would spend eternity in hell. In hell. And we're more worried about our uncomfortableness in talking about faith. Derek, I don't like to talk religion. Don't talk religion. Talk Jesus. Talk Jesus. Clearly, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, which means when people say, well, we've got to share the Word, well, guess what the Word is? Jesus. Just share people about what Jesus has done in your life. 
we'll talk about that doctor who cured us. Well, we, like, really? You know what I'm saying? Well, what, like, why is, it, why is it that it's so hard for us just to be obedient to the one thing Jesus asked of us to do when he ascended into heaven? That's just, don't forget to talk about me. That's why when he was breaking bread with him the night before he, he died, he'd say, do this in remembrance of me. I think that's one of my biggest fears about death. Right? And it might be a little selfish, but it's like, will I be remembered? Well, the answer is 50 years from now, probably not. Right? It's my biggest fear about death is not being remembered. But here's the great news, and it's this, is that in some way we will be remembered through through our offspring, but in a way, it's when we when we come when it comes to our faith, when, we, when it comes to Jesus, how He is remembered and how He is honored is by us doing what He's asked us to do. And that is the same thing He told these twelve plus people standing here. Go talk about me, so that they can remember all that God has done for them. You with me? God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. And sorry where we have failed you from, for not being obe- in, in our obedience to you and really whatever, but specifically in this regard. May your spirit lead us in boldness. God, my prayer is that we become an army. Not just shift church, but the church around the world becomes an army of grace. My prayer is that we not hide behind walls of insecurities anymore or the walk what would happen if they said, what, what are we going to do? What if they don't like what I have to say? What if I don't say the right things? But we, we stop hiding behind those insecurities and just say, you know what? Jesus, I'm just going to talk about what you've done in my life. And if I, if I stutter, if I, if I don't know what to say, if 